Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. In the short lifespan of this podcast, we've tended to focus mainly on national and international news. That's very much our stock in trade, I think, but we're trying to expand and to cover more topics and bring in new listeners. And to that end, while we've done some news updates on sports in the past, this would be our first attempt at a proper sports analysis podcast. And we hope it's going to be a regular feature. So the topic for today is the new Barcelona manager, Kike Setien. Oh, well, he's a couple of weeks new now. If you primarily follow Premier League football, as I do, then you may not know much about him. If your football watching is broader, then you'll know that he's been one of the most interesting coaches around for a while. So what will Setien bring to Barcelona? How can he shape the team? And what are the challenges ahead of him? We'll cover all that and we'll also give you some insight into his history and his rise to this point. Joining me today is a guest we hope to see more of in the weeks to come. That's Senior Deputy Sports Editor Ram Mahesh. So Ram Mahesh, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you on for the first time. Thanks for having me, Jayant. Right. So, TK Setien, um, I must confess that I hadn't heard of him when Barcelona appointed him. Um, but you had and you've actually been tracking him for a while. So, I'm curious to know how did, how did he come onto your radar and why do you find him interesting? What makes him interesting? Well, I first sort of, I noticed him when I was watching a match involving Las Palmas, which is, used to be one of the lower division teams. This is like, I think back in 2015 and 2016. And generally, these lower division teams tend to play a very similar style of football. They, they're not very good in terms of how they attack and they tend to sit back, perhaps not so much in La Liga. But this was a team that had like a really clear and discernible vision, an idea of playing football. Mm. And they kept the ball very well. They were structurally they looked very good and they were doing a lot of attacking for a side I mean that really didn't seem to have the kind of talent to do it with so that's what first interested me, me and then I sort of looked up who the manager was and then I began to follow him and that's what sort of got me more interested in it because it's very difficult sort of assessing or judging how good a manager is just based on results there's a very strong correlation between like how high or how well a side performs in the league and sort of the money that the club is capable of paying. I mean, soconomics, as you probably read, there's like a correlation between where a club finishes and like the player wage spending in that season. So just based, just based on results, it's very difficult to see whether a manager is good or not. So you try and see whether there's like an interesting idea of play. And mm. more importantly, you see whether the coach is getting everything out of the side. Is he like extracting the maximum of the side's potential? Is he getting them to play above themselves? And with Seti, and as I found out over the next five years, he was doing it because when he took over Las Palmas, they'd just been promoted and they won the relegation zone. And he got them to finish 11th and 14th. And then he sort of got noticed. And Betis, who was a slight, slightly bigger club than Las Palmas, took him. And he got them to finish 6th. I mean, they'd finished, I think, 15th in the previous season. And he got them to finish 6th, which was one of their best finishes in like 20 years. And they had 18 wins that season, which is the best ever record in a 38-game season. So to be able to, I mean, so he was, and Las Palmas sort of got relegated the moment Setien left. And okay. similarly, Betis, after he's left, and I mean, he left in last season, after he's left, they're not playing the same level of football. So clearly he appears to have made a difference. And so there is the, an empirical sort of backup to what we were watching as well. It was not just the eye test that they were playing interesting football. He also seemed to make a difference to 
like the quality the quality of the football and you could see that in the results and it's very tough doing that playing an attacking progressive possession based style with footballers who are not as technically uh, as technically able or so to get them to you know to get the tactical intelligence into them to get them confident of playing with the ball and starting play from the back that's like really challenging so to, even at the, at the topmost levels which is why i see very few successful managers who can do that like gariola has one with a few guys so for him to be able to do that low team which is why i mean he sort of caught my attention right and so has he had a long coaching career or is it basically has he basically made his name with these two teams uh he's had a slightly longer coaching career than that as in he spent some time also with equatorial guinea and he i think got a team up i think lugo it was from third division to the second division so he was actually a very good uh, and creative midfield player in the 80s mm. probably known for his time in racing santander and then he also played a couple of seasons for atletico madrid he was a central midfielder who was technically accomplished he was also like pretty strong and physical for his time he was like a 6 footer which was rare at that time in like in the 80s in the spanish league so he also made those deep runs he actually scored a header against barcelona and that was the, i think that was the first time he came against came up against a johan cruyff barcelona side and which is when his love affair with the whole cruyff style of playing began and so once he he knew how he wanted to play and he, i think he generally didn't get along very well with like the coaches in these clubs where he played who wanted him to play a more defensive role without the ball and he felt he was sacrificing some of what he wanted to do so right. when he began coaching he decided that the cruyff style of play is basically what he wants to sort of coach okay so the betis side that he managed and where um i think he really made his name with betis is where yeah. a lot of people began to notice him perhaps right. so that's where guardiola as well sort of saw him play and was very impressed by the way that, the kind of football betis played right right and so what were the standout results of his time in betis they betis really played i mean the standout the standout result was like those 18 wins in the season where they finished 6th and then qualifying for the europa league but they beat both madrid and barcelona and right. that is very i mean that's very rare if you look at la liga particularly given how front loaded it is in terms of the revenue model where the big clubs tend to get a lot a higher share of the broadcast rights or they have traditionally than say in the premier league where it's more equitably distributed to do that well against real madrid and barcelona beating both of them and playing a very like taking the game to madrid and barcelona i mean there's a huge talent deficit if you stack the players up man for man the the just the amount of money that the amount of money that the barcelona and real had played on pay had spent on their sides and what betis had played on their like there was no comparison but the kind of football they played so it was after those i think after the one real madrid result where betis uh, beat them i think luka modric went in met him and gave him a signed jersey saying he was a big fan of the way setien side played football and similarly i think busquets did the same thing as well he also went and met setien after it and both of them were very impressed with like a side that's you know not really uh, one of the giants of la liga i mean they have finished fourth and third and all in the 90s but not really a, a giant in the sense that they're not one of the top two or even the top three teams for them to play this sort of game to really make the play against the side and particularly in barcelona which tends to enjoy having the ball to be able to wrest possession from that side and keep the ball this capably and sort of move the ball around and really play very attractive football that's why he was sort of noted those were the two i mean his performances against them at camp nou and at the bernabeu were what sort of really got him into did he win there did he win at the did he win I, at the I, camp nou I, i think he won at bernabeu i'm okay. not sure if he won at camp nou but he definitely beat barcelona as well so you know in terms of managerial appointments 
it's always struck me as you know there's this dichotomy between Barca and Real Madrid because when uh, Real are looking to appoint a new manager the names that always come up are the biggest names in management if that guy is not at Real then and if he's somewhere else there's a campaign to sort of get him so you heard that with you know they wanted Arsene Wenger for a long time they of course got Mourinho uh, there's Poch- Pochettino I'm sure they want they'll want Klopp at some point but Barca seem to take a different approach you never really heard of them courting these really big managers it the, the reverse happens that a Barca manager like Guardiola becomes big and then goes elsewhere but they seem to just have a different approach in terms of appointing managers perhaps they're looking for something a little bit more than what the big names who are known quantities offer so how does Setien kind of fit in there what's the kind of how does he fit in that mold of a Barca recruit Setien interestingly enough wasn't the first choice here hmm. and it's it's very difficult to get your head around what happens in the Barcelona boardroom and the politics of it if you if you read or follow spanish media it's always described as like an unstable sort of place where you know everybody's trying is out to get the other everybody's trying to get into power and there's not a lot of rationality in some of the decision making if if you read the spanish press so i think barcelona this time they approach xavi mm. and uh, he publicly then later said that it was probably too early early in his managerial career but sources close to xavi seem to imply as well that he wasn't certain given that there's an election a presidential election in 2021 whether it was the right moment for him to come back to the club because you don't know what how the chips are going to fall after that i mean at that point if somebody who sort of is favorable to him come gets elected in 2021 he may anyway get in so they quoted chavi the other person they looked at was ronald kuman right and they wanted him just i think to uh, manage till the end of the season but i don't think he was interested so caretaker manager like a caretaker manager yeah they also right. look at pochettino and again if you look in terms of trophies again pochettino won nothing mm-hmm. but again uh, somebody who sort of made his name by you know getting a tottenham side to play very good football and before that at southampton as well but pochettino's history with espanyol who i mean uh, which is like the barca city rival and he i think made like a few statements back then when Guardiola was managing Barcelona but how he'd rather farm or rather go farming than uh, coach Barcelona so i think that sort of made him a difficult sell as well setien apparently really impressed the Barca top brass with his uh, with his presentation of how he wanted to play football i think that's why he was on their radar as well because of you know that really vibrant attacking style of football that he played with lesser sides and and there is also a continuation from the Cruyff era So I think the the appointment of Cruyff in the 80s was a big turning point for Barcelona because yeah. they were in debt at that point in time the the club fans were disenchanted the mood around if you if you read reports from that time if you read books about the time just before Cruyff took over it's a pretty sorry state then he came and he took a lot of risks he made La Masia to a large extent what it is he spotted a lot of talent he ensured that the the youth club with the youth uh, teams as well play a similar style to what the top team plays and it was the sort of style that sort of came from his time in ajax with venus michel then it's like it's now been called the barca ajax school of playing and yeah so setian a huge fan of cruyff uh, so that was a huge sell for him and also who else is available i mean if you if barca tends to go if you look at the past managerial uh, signings Valverde is probably the most accomplished signing in terms of having a long until say Louis van Gaal who was very successful in Ajax but if you look at everybody from uh, 
uh, Cruyff, they had Bobby Robson, who had some success, and who then became a legend. Louis Van Hal was the one who was really successful at Ajax and came and had some success here as well. But the rest of the names, like uh, Laurent Serra Ferrer or uh, Radomir Antic, who actually won one La Liga, or Rijkaard, Villanova, Martino, Enrique, none of them had like really a, a strong pedigree in terms of trof- trophy winning. So I think what Barcelona is looking for, and one of the reasons Valverde was sort of let go off as well, was there was a, and again, this is what the Spanish media is reporting, is that there was a feeling within the club that the, that he hadn't taken the club to the next level in terms of its football. And that it, and they were not playing the sort of really attractive possession-based style which Barcelona fans come have come to sort of expect from them. And he was also supposed to have like a hands-off approach to training. The side wasn't doing enough physically. It wasn't high, there wasn't enough high intensity in the matches itself. The ball wasn't being moved around as well. So it, for many of them, they felt that the identity that Cruyff had established, that had sort of slowly eroded. And this Barcelona side was not really standing out. And Setien plays exact. It's a very what he plays and what the idea that he has. And in fact, he actually said that. He said that he does, doesn't have a very strong CV. And the only thing that probably got him the job was like a very strong commitment to this idea of play. I think that's what got him the job. And that's what got him on the radar. Right. So, uh, Barcelona parted ways with uh, Valverde uh, mid-season. Mid-season, yeah. Um, and he had a pretty successful time pretty with successful it. Two time. leagues. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask you. Yeah. How many league titles did he win? He, he won two league titles. Right. He also won one Copa del Rey and one Super Cup. Right. So, But it was his performances, I think, in the Champions League where they crashed out against Liverpool and Roma before that. Right. And also, they, they didn't look... Particularly against Liverpool, the second leg result, mm. they mm. looked completely at sea against Liverpool, who were playing from what was very current, present football. High intensity, high tempo, gegen pressing, which is like a very. Klopp's brought it in for a few years, but he's really refined it. And Barcelona looked a few years behind the pace, a few years like behind, I mean, even idea wise in terms of the football they were playing. So I think there was a move. So despite his success, I think when they lost in the. The Copa del Rey, I think the season was when the move began, where they started talking about. And they're still number one. He was sacked when they were still top of the league. So, they're still top of the league right now. They're still top of the league right now. But apparently, the uh, the Barca president, Josef Bartemiu, is a Valverde supporter. Mm. But Valverde also was supposed to have lost a little bit some of the dressing room. Again, uh, there are like two sections of the dressing room right now. There are people who... Like really liked him, and apparently PK and Messi were part of that. They enjoyed, uh, like his, because he didn't. They don't like being challenged. Is what a lot of the criticism is. I mean, one of the criti- one of the difficulties with taking up this Barca job is, it's a dressing room that has a lot of player power, and a lot of the top players are in their thirties. They're set in their ways. They don't enjoy being challenged. They don't enjoy the superiority being challenged, which is what a lot of a lot of the Barca outlets even say. So, but the younger team, the younger guys in the team weren't too happy with some of the the fact that training wasn't you know as sharp as they probably expected except for Ansu Fati who yeah who Valverde sort of really brought along mm. so there were there, like there was like some dressing room unrest they weren't completely happy some were happy so there was all of that so Batemu finally I think the writing was on the wall during the Champions League defeat and then the fact that Barca hasn't looked really good and Weirdly enough, the match they lost to Atletico, which, like 75 minutes, they played very good football. So it was actually on the back of that that he was sacked. So there's a little bit of an irony there. But 
Valverde hasn't shown that Barca can consistently play the sort of football that fans are used to watching, like a Guardiola side, for instance. Right. So, um, so with Setien now, and given his, let's say his, his his way of impacting the team as a whole to play exactly the way he wants, very much like Guardiola does. Um, Barca seems to be at a very interesting stage of its of the team's development, where you know some some of its stars who have been mainstays for years are aging, still very much part of the first team, but aging. But a lot of new guys have come in. Um, there's a pretty much new midfield now being built around Frankie De Jong and there's Arthur as well. Yeah, Arthur. Yeah. So there's there's the kind of a nucleus of a new young team emerging. Is that also one of the reasons why a guy like Setien was brought in? Yeah, I mean he's got a good record of developing players in terms of player. I mean footballers tend to get to the next level technically with him, mm. but those were also with teams that are lower down. So there was, I mean. There was enough of a ceiling for them to develop as well, right? And he was getting them to play a style that they weren't used to with the ball, which is a little more difficult because you always fear losing it. Mm. Barca is coached in that style, so in that sense, he'll be better. They'll be able to adapt his methods much quicker, but it still remains to be seen whether he'll get them to develop technically like he did at uh, Betis and Las Palmas. But yeah, and he spoke about the midfield the in, one of the interesting things about barcelona's match against granada after setien took over was like busquets starring role in terms of he was central to everything barcelona did well against granada i mean there's vicente del bosque the former spanish coach who made this really interesting point about busquets and he said when you watch the match you don't see busquets when you watch busquets you see the match okay. talking about his invisible genius so the match against granada was one of those rare matches i guess where you could when you watch the match you also could see busquets because he was he dominated play and it helped that granada sort of sat back as well so he had a lot of touches but the barca against granada was very similar in some ways to like it was a throwback to almost guardiola side of style of play in the fact that they attempted like a, th- a thousand passes a lot of people had lots of touches and even the goal that they scored was like intricate one touch play creating space sort of disorganizing the defense and scoring they didn't play great football right through i mean it was windy and but they controlled the game and so that's the big that that's going to be setien's challenge from the football aspect but he'll have bigger challenges with the, just the politics in barca's boardroom and whether they really want him are they looking at him as a temporary you know like a stopgap until xavi takes over will the players buy into him wholeheartedly the reports at the moment suggest that they are very happy and they're very excited and like they feel that the joy has returned and that's a big part of uh, Setien's philosophy of football as well the joy because he says that he interprets the game with the ball so his sides always want to have the ball so there are i mean there is a utilitarian aspect of it when you have when you want to have the ball and you have the ball the opposition can't hurt you and the further towards the opposition's goal you have the ball the more work they have to do to score because they have to cover longer distances longer sprints and all of that but the utilitarian aspect is only one aspect one part of why he wants the sides to have the ball he talks of something far more basic he says like every kid who starts playing football they do it because of the joy of kicking the ball right so that's what you want to give a player so it's both utilitarian and he's also sort of appealing to a higher purpose which a lot of the bas the puritanical basa fans will enjoy but but the thing with having the ball is there are two consequences of it one is possession you have to keep the ball which is challenging so you need like a very well structured side that's closely connected with every player having passing options you need to generate what's known as superiorities so 
So the simplest way of doing that is having really good players. So someone like a Messi or an Iniesta is automatically superior to who he's playing against. So he's going to be very good under pressure. He's probably going to beat one line of defense just with his ball control. But also be, to be able to do it without such players, which is, which is when you try and create a numerical superiority. Like within a small space, you want to have more players than the opposition. So that demands a lot of tactical intelligence from your footballers because they have to interpret space. They have to see where they are at all times in relation to the ball, in relation to the teammate, and in relation to the opposition. So that's what Setien, the challenge of Setien will be, whether he can do that consistently. And the advantage is he's got people who are used to that style of play. So he should be able to, they should buy in, at least theoretically. But where he was let down in both Las Palmas and at Betis was, yeah, the his sides did crave possession, but they were also slightly afraid because technically they didn't always have the ability to keep the ball as well as the Barca side does. But it was when they lost the ball, and that's the second aspect of wanting the ball always. One is possession, the other is when you lose the ball, you need to be desperate to get it back, and that's pressing. So that's your work rate off the ball. That's where Betis and Las Palmas sort of... There were several matches during his time there where they would dominate the first half, and they would play really well, they'd play very attractive football, they'd make these intricate, slick passing routines, but then they just get caught out, and the guys wouldn't there won't be anybody making these recovery runs. They won't systematically always close down. So they were always, they did very well against sides that wanted to attack them because there was some space, which is part of the reason why they did well against Barca and Real. Mm. But against sides who wanted to sit back and attack them later in the game, his teams there, they weren't willing to sacrifice their legs and do it. Can he do the same with his Barca side, which, again, that's another thing they have a reputation for not only doing it when they want to. And uh, one Spanish writer actually brought up the point that the Barca side at the moment reminds him of Raikard's last few months in charge where they'd played some very good football, they'd won the Champions League, they'd won Liga titles. But at that point, they were just, you know, there was nobody willing to sacrifice themselves for the for the team and run back. And Guardiola had to like almost revolutionize everything and demand a real high intensity with the ball and without the ball. So that'll be Setien's challenge to be able to do, to make sure that they buy into his vision wholeheartedly with the ball, which I'm sure they will and they'll be able to execute it. But without the ball, can they keep their structure? Can they, you know, really... And that, so one, one of the encouraging things for Barca fans is that a lot of the, the training routines, once it's taken over, is very high intensity. And right. the players haven't complained yet. But that could change, as you know. I mean, Right. But also from what you're saying, it sounds like he doesn't really have a fully developed philosophy for without the ball. No, he has a fully developed yeah. philosophy without the ball. It's just that... Not everybody, his sides, they haven't really always bought into it in both Las Palmas and Real Betis through a season. Right. They, they've shown, there have been matches where they do it for the season. Here, the fully developed pressing philosophy. Mm. And that's actually an interesting point because any, any side that wants to play possession-based football needs to have a strong, intelligent and well-drilled pressing system. There are various ways to do it. Klopp does it a certain way. Guardiola does it a certain way. Pochettino does it a certain way. So, they all need a strong system to be able to press and to press the press as in more immediately after you lose the ball is when the opposition is most vulnerable so so if you can get the ball back very quickly you can catch them at a point where they disorganize so you need both he has it but can he implement it and will Barca buy into it is a question so to end I just want to draw you out on one particular point you know we've been talking about uh, philosophy with the ball without the ball what does it actually mean to you know interpret football have this interpretation of football that's with the ball, as, as like Setian does, as opposed to 
I, I suppose one way to look at it is that their philosophy is very much, you know, what happens when the team doesn't have the ball uh, in a more hmm. defensive setup. Yeah, so the probably the two best examples, the second kind are Mourinho and uh, Simeone. It's not yeah. like their sides don't know what to do when they have the ball. They are designed to hit when they have the ball, but they're designed to be very efficient. But Mourinho's philosophy more is that, like the, generally in football, football is a game of errors. So the side that makes the fewer mistakes wins. The chance for making a mistake increases when you have the ball. So relinquish possession and be happy with that. And provoke errors from the opposition, which you then capitalize on. Yeah. So it's a reactive style. Simeone is, is slightly different, but he too sets his, sets his team up to be very good when they don't have the ball. And then punish teams that have the ball. Those, those are equally valid ways of playing and they're very successful at what they're doing it. But for perhaps neutral fan who wants to watch football of a certain different style, Setien is very exciting in that sense. Because like against Granada, Barcelona had about 82% of the ball. Right. Now the thing is, is it just trial possession? Tiki-taka. Yeah, where they're just passing it sideways. There is a reason why you pass it sideways as well. To yeah. move the opposition around. To sort of then split that one moment where they, op- they haven't moved in cohesion and get your free man between the lines. So there's a reason why they do it. But possession for possession's sake is pointless. So Setian encourages his dribblers, which is very important. He likes people taking chances, particularly in the final third. He wants people beating men one-on-one. And he has an intricate passing style, which I'm well coaching. So he's very interesting from that aspect. Mourinho and Simeone, they're interesting to watch in terms of they can put on at least early Mourinho and now Simeone. Mourinho now seems a little off the boil in terms of yeah. his ideas. He hasn't sort of, sorry, he hasn't, uh, the pressing system hasn't quite, he hasn't seemed to find a solution for that. He's, his answer seems to be a deep block, but he hasn't, the transition between the deep block and like the opposition's counter pressing, he hasn't seemed to be able to work that out successfully enough. Whereas Simeone is a slightly more modern version of it. Probably the best at it at the moment is Conte, who has positional play principles. But he's also very good without the ball. So Antonio Conte? Antonio Conte. Right. So that's how that's how Inter have been playing. That's how the Italian team and Chelsea played, and Inter is playing large is playing similarly as well. They're pretty good with the ball and they can progress the play, but they're also well built to sort of, you know, do enough when they don't have the ball. So Setian is very exciting for definitely for the neutral fan. It's I mean, that's what caught my attention. He's if he has a chance to be really good at Barcelona if everything aligns well. But again, with Barca, you never know. The club is very big. Lots of people like pulling in slightly different directions. So they could be, they could play exceptional football. But the other thing is, he's also 61. He's not as young as Guardiola was when he took over, where he could really revolutionize Barca for a second time after Cruyff and you know get them on that path. So there's all of that too. But just what the potential of what this can be is hugely exciting for people who enjoy watching progressive football, which is like a clearly defined, discernible vision of progressing the ball across the pitch. Okay, Ramesh, that was a super interesting discussion to start off our first sports podcast in this new series. And hopefully we'll see more of you soon. So, thank you for joining us.